Welcome to the first complete podcast of our series on changing and adapting to the dementia experience. Your host today is David Harvey, and our project is Dementia Dialogue. Thank you for joining us. Our purpose is to provide a means by which people with lived experience of dementia, either themselves or as persons who care about someone with dementia, can share stories and thus increase our collective understanding of dementia, and also to gain some insight. Our first podcast takes the form of a panel discussing why it is important for people with lived experience of dementia to have their voice heard. And we're pleased to uh, have on our panel today uh, four uh, folks from the field of, uh, of dementia. Uh, the first uh, panelist is Mary Beth Whiten, who's the chairperson of the Ontario Dementia Advisory Group. Our second panelist is Kathy Hickman, who is an education specialist with the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario. Our third panelist is Guy Chatsey, who is a caregiver of his wife, Allison, and Guy was our uh, first participant in the Dementia Dialogue podcast series. And our final panelist is uh, Dr. Elaine Wiersma, who is a professor at uh, Lakehead University and was the lead researcher on the mapping project that is the basis for our uh, series of podcasts at this point. So thank you very much for joining the panel this morning. And Mary Beth, we want to open with your comments. You're a strong advocate for the voice of people with dementia. And I'd like you just to give your thoughts on why this is such an important activity. Thanks, David, for the introduction. And what a great question. When I was diagnosed at the age of 45 years old and then uh, 51 years old now, one of the one of the things that I ran into immediately was that I was not identified as my own person. It was a person living with dementia slash caregiver, meaning that my care partner was basically could represent me. And it was one of the very first hurdles that I realized I needed to change. And um, I did that with many other people living with dementia because we recognized, unless we are, realize that it's just a person living with dementia, there's no slash caregiver, that we, we needed to start there. And we did. And what's uh, you know great news from that, we don't see that anymore. So through conversations with people, through organizations, we are identified simply as Mary Beth, and that's it. So that, that kind of started off the uh, kickoff for the advocacy work for me, if you will. And I immediately also realized that if I wanted to change how I was going to live my life, that I had to affect others. It wasn't good enough to, to say, well, um, I'm not going to participate in that, or I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to sit at home and complain about how things are. And so I did what I'd never really had done before, which I would, would say is becoming more politically active. Thanks very much, Mary Beth. Um, Kathy, I'm wondering whether you would like to uh, respond to the question around the importance of people with uh, lived experience uh, achieving a stronger voice in the community. And uh, perhaps you might want to comment on something that uh, Mary Beth had mentioned. 
so many people who are living with dementia who have shared experiences with us at the Alzheimer's Society, uh, similar to what Mary Beth has, has expressed that feeling of, you know, as soon as that diagnosis is, is made, there's a shift in how the person is treated. And so often, um, you know, the, the proxy or the, the voice becomes that of the, the care partner or others around the person rather than uh, really hearing from the person living with dementia themselves, which is so critical. Um, when, we, when we're looking at, uh, as a society, there's so much stigma around living with dementia. And so having, so at a personal level, it's important for the person living with dementia to have that voice um, because the impact of, of having that voice taken away that that can have on a person's life. Um, having the space to have that voice really shifts things for the person and can really increase self-confidence and um, the sense of being valued and, and being able to contribute as, as Mary Beth was discussing. Um, at a societal level, there's so much stigma around living with dementia. And so when we have that space for people living with dementia to be able to express their experiences, it can really have a big impact on that stigma, as well as um, really creating a sense of solidarity for others living with dementia to be able to say, I can speak up too, I have a voice too. Um, and that's so important. So we're really seeing um, when we create those spaces, we're seeing really positive impacts of, of giving that space for people living with dementia to express themselves. And I think um, when we look at the, the Alzheimer's Society and the work that we do from both a program development perspective as well as, as the policy work that we do, we, we can't possibly know someone else's experience unless we're talking to them. You know, if we're not, we're making, we're really um, at risk of making assumptions and, and creating and, and doing things that, that really don't meet people's needs. And so uh, whether that's looking at um, programs and services and policies for care partners and um, or, or whether it's people living with dementia themselves, we need to be able to understand those perspectives to uh, really include those voices and hear them in a way that is meaningful. I love what Mary Beth said about being an equal at the table. Thanks, Kathy. Um, Guy, I wonder whether you'd like to make a comment uh, from your own perspective as a uh, care partner to your wife, Allison. Uh, and also the, uh, you know, the, your growing awareness of the importance of, of uh, the voice of people with lived experience. Yes, and and certainly in my case, this is this is very personal. I I'm not really speaking from a policy point of view. I mean, my wife descended very quickly into uh, Alzheimer's, where she really did lose her identity um, tragically. Uh, she she lost her ability to speak, uh, to express herself. She lost her ability to comprehend, really. So in some ways, um, I was left with, with having to, to speak for her. And I think that my big concern is, is for caregivers. The issue of stigma is, is a colossal one. But there is also that sense of helplessness and that sense of being alone uh, and, that, and that not knowing what to do. And I think that, that for me, it was really a matter of... of speaking for Allison in a way that wasn't presumptive. Uh, it was also speaking in a way that tried to help others get a, a grip on what, what it was they were going through. Stigma is a big issue, but I think helplessness is also a big issue. Stigma is, is, is chases people away from you, but when you yourself feel that you just don't, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn. Uh, for me, the Alzheimer's Society was a, an enormous saving grace there. There's a, 
the caregiver just gets lost in this in some ways. And, and it certainly seems to be particularly true of men. Here in Stratford, I have, have been talking to a number of men in a, in a, not in a structured support group way, but in a, 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 just a kind of coffee chat sort of thing, because they feel that, that stigma even more and that sense of helplessness even more. So I think it's trying very delicately to find ways to help people gain information, gain the confidence to speak for themselves. And in those cases like myself, where I, my wife can't speak, I can speak with her with, with, with conviction and with, with compassion, with understanding, um, and, and be truly an advocate. I mean, a caregiver is an advocate as well. Um, and they're partners, but they're an advocate. Thanks, Guy. Elaine, I wonder whether you might uh, have any comments on what's been said or your own personal thoughts on the importance of raising the voice of lived experience. I definitely 100% agree with everything that's been said, for sure. I think one of the things, too, from a research perspective is when you look at much of the research outside of the biomedical research related to people with dementia, there's actually a lot of research that relies on care partners' perspectives or from service providers' perspectives and not nearly as much that engages people with dementia and provides opportunity for their voices to be heard. Um, so I think from a research perspective, we have a lot to do in ensuring that we are engaging and involving people living with dementia and providing spaces for their voices to be heard. I think that when I look just from a broader perspective, there are very few places in society where we allow others to speak on behalf of somebody else's experience, particularly adults. And so it's always quite remarkable to me that, you know, even today with all of the advocacy work that's been done, there are still assumptions that medical professionals, you know, care partners, family can speak on behalf of and in place of people with dementia. Um, and, and so I like what Guy said about being an advocate because I think that that's a really important piece of, of making sure that people's voices are able to be heard. Nobody else understands the experience of living with dementia. I don't understand it. Guy doesn't understand it. Kathy doesn't understand it. We can try as best as we can to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody with a diagnosis, but we will never fully know um, what it's like to live with dementia. And to me, I think that is the most important reason uh, why we need to hear the voices of people with dementia. I don't know. And so if I am doing research or creating education or creating programs based on my own experiences, chances are I will probably miss the mark and I will probably not be incorporating some really key things that people with dementia would want um, from their own perspectives. And so um, so I think for me, that's the really important piece. Thanks, Elaine. Uh, Mary Beth, one of the uh, phrases that came to uh, my mind as you were speaking, and you were really describing, I think, in a way, a, a, a progression uh, in your own experience of moving from a sense of of uh, discomfort or injustice that, that you had in, in having your voice taken away from you at the time of diagnosis, and now to a, a point where you've been uh, become a, a leader in the field of, of public policy is a, a phrase that I read a couple of years ago of a woman who started the caregiver movement in 
Great Britain, and that was to make the personal political. That's, that's her mission, is to take personal suffering, if you will, or personal uh, negative experience and making that a public issue. And in some ways, that's, you know, that's what came to my mind as you were speaking. Guy, on the other hand, you indicated that you were not particularly comfortable with that idea of political uh, advocacy. And I wonder if you might uh, both comment on that. I think for me, it's, it's, it also comes down to language. I think that when I, I didn't plan to become involved in this. This, this. this came to me when Allison was diagnosed and very, very swiftly descended into, into uh, to dark dementia. And I had to find a new language. I had to find a new language to explain her situation. I had to find a new language to explain myself. I had to find a new language. I had to find new words to to communicate to other people what I was going through, what I thought she was going through, what I thought the greater issues were. And so even though it's five years later in my case, I'm still struggling with that. And, and I think that politicizing it, in other words, taking it to another level, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm there yet. I, I understand how extremely important this is because part of the reason for the length of my my challenge has been that there haven't been the kinds of supports and there isn't the societal understanding of what Allison is going through and what I'm going through and what I see others going through. And I regard myself as, 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 as reasonably far along in the journey, but I still struggle with these issues. And, and so I, I, I understand about the medicalizing of it. I applaud all of the actions of the advocacy actions that have been taking place because I've seen a change, certainly here in Perth County, uh, but with my friends as well, um, in terms of dementia-friendly communities, et cetera, et cetera. There is just a growing awareness. And that political activity that others have taken, that Mary Beth have taken, is so critically important. But where along that journey do I join that activity? I'm not so sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's a that's a really honest uh, representation of where you are, Guy. It's you know it's your own personal experience where you're going to enter into uh, kind of the community forum is is very a very personal decision, and I I think we all respect that. Um, Mary Beth, I'm interested in in your uh, thoughts as a uh, as a leader uh, in the field of engaging people with dementia in political activity. How, you know, what your experience has been in terms of the kind of, you know, question that Guy poses that people may realize the value of something, but it just isn't a good fit for them at, at that moment. Has that come up in your own experience? Yes, it definitely has come up with uh, my own experience. And in fact, um, it's one of the most frustrating areas because we all know that in order for things to happen at the governmental level, the more pressure that's put on by society, then we will have a greater chance for change. And when we're, we're looking for the person with dementia to stand up and say, I want change, many cases that person can't do that. And so the challenge as a, a leader of advocacy work on the policy end is how can we enable people living with dementia to participate in a political manner 
that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to stand up and do that. Maybe it's working with them and discussing a particular topic and helping them uh, write a letter to the MP. You know, so it's really, it's looking at all kinds of different ways that we can communicate to larger society and to the government again in particular. And it's important that the leaders of the advocacy group help enable that, just like it's important for the many associations to help enable that as well. I read something really interesting today and it really struck a, a bell with me. And um, um, this is coming in from the National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, Perry Belagrade. And he's been quiet about a particular topic on the West Coast about the pipeline. And, and Trudeau has hinted that simply using national in interest provisions in the constitution to override provincial and other concerns. This is the comment. Those other concerns would include First Nations, and that didn't sit well with Belgrade. So here, here it is. First Nations are not stakeholders. First Nations are right holders and title holders, and we must be involved from the outset and throughout the decision-making process. And I thought, that's it. The, that's people living with dementia. We're not stakeholders, we're it. We've ended our interviews with um, uh, the folks that we've interviewed related to uh, our podcast series with kind of a, a question of lessons learned. You know, do you have anything to share with our listeners? I can't comment on how to do it better because I think you both uh, just do the very best you can. And what more can you ask of anyone? Um, but it's taking those lessons learned on each conversation and it's evaluating them and then just pulling them into your toolkit. And so uh, it will be interesting actually to hear the lessons learned from you both rather than, rather than me. So um, okay, thank you. I look forward to hearing it. Okay, thank you. Kathy, do you have any comment? You're an expert in this area. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder, um, so I'm not quite sure, David, what you're asking about lessons learned about, if you're asking about lessons learned about hearing voices of, of people with lived experience or... Wherever you, yeah, that, that concept of listening, I think is, yeah, how do you, how do you listen better? Yeah, so I think, I think the lesson that I've learned along the way is that, that the very most important thing when it comes to um, hearing the voice of people living with dementia and creating spaces for that is is really coming at things from a spirit of of believing in the right of people um, to express their experiences. And again, I'm, I'm going to go back to that. It depends on what you're looking at, what that lived experience is. So we we use the term lived experience. To me, lived experiences is lived experiences of what. You know, if we're talking about lived experience of being a care partner, we need to hear from care partners. We're talking about lived experience of, of having dementia, of what it's like to, to be in society living with dementia, then we need to talk to and hear from people living with dementia. And so coming at it from a spirit of, of um, seeing that people have a right to, to share their experiences and a spirit of, of really valuing those experiences and, and that process of hearing from people is I think the other stuff you can figure out 
if you're coming at things from that spirit of, of wanting to truly hear from people. Thank you. Uh, Guy, some comment from your perspective, lessons learned, what would, what would you suggest? I think, and I was very struck by that comment from the, uh, the, the uh, chief of uh, the First Nations. Uh, I think the lesson that I've learned is that as a caregiver, um, and certainly for those who, who have been diagnosed with de uh, dementia, we simply need to be more confident and we simply need to be a stronger voice. We simply need to gain the language and the ability and, the, and, and lose that sense of stigma and, and, and speak. We are not expert witnesses at the table. We are at the table. We're at the head of the table. That's the point that Mary Beth is making. It's not that we're stakeholders. It's that comment from the news item, we're the rights holders here. And I think that far too many caregivers and people who are living with dementia don't realize that. So they sit back and they, 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 hear, they hear what's being told them. And they don't think that they're, they have the confidence or the language to give it back. And they, that's where I become more strident, and you can tell that from my tone. Um, but I think it's so important, and I think that, you know, I'm involved with the Alzheimer's Society. I do this 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 little uh, peer group. I'm on I'm on the local uh, executive, and I I you know I made a commitment to this, and 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 oddly enough, I become angrier with time, not kinder. Thanks, thanks, guy. Those are uh, you're getting there on the political spectrum. <laughs> Uh, Elaine, uh, any last thoughts from you uh, around this question? Well, I think so. I think just from a very personal perspective, um, the lessons that I've learned, um, and and let me also say that I still continue to learn because there's certainly uh, lessons that sometimes get in here but don't always get practiced. Um, is three things for me. I mean, the first is stop and listen. Um, and I'm not always that good at stopping to listen. Um, listening also means taking time um, and slowing down to be able to listen. And so that is certainly one thing that I've learned and continue to learn along the way is to stop and listen. Um, the second is to put my own agenda aside. And as an academic, um, as somebody that has a research agenda and has ideas and things that I'd like to do, that's really hard sometimes. Um, I feel like I'm still learning how to do that um, and, and how to make sure that the direction of, of my work, in fact, that it's not my work, that it's collaborative work, um, and that the direction of that work uh, comes from people with dementia and, and care partners. Um, and I think the third lesson that I've learned is that it needs to be a team approach. We need to take a family approach. Um, you know, we need to take an approach that um, recognizes that the person with dementia has a voice, that recognizes that the care partner has a voice, um, and, and that uh, finds ways to work to work together with, with both of them. Um, and sometimes that's easier than other times. Excellent. Uh, thanks very much, Elaine. Um, I think we're coming to the end of our uh, panel. It's interesting, uh, in almost all of the uh, interviews that we've conducted, uh, some strong uh, message or theme 
uh, emerges. Uh, you know, it may be a word that that somebody mentions, and then it it, it reoccurs in the course of the conversation. And I think uh, for me, one of the strongest uh, words is a quotation that Mary Beth uh, uh, referenced earlier and Guy just picked up on, and that's the, uh, the phrase right holder. And I think that's really uh, a phrase that captures, uh, I think, what all of us feel about the importance of giving voice to people with lived experience is that it's not a permission that we're giving, it's people have, a, have, have that voice and have a right to have it heard. I would like to thank Mary Beth Whiten, Kathy Hickman, Guy Chadsey, and Elaine Wiersma for helping to launch the Dementia Dialogue series. If you would like more information about our series and the research underlying it, please go to our website, DementiaDialogue.ca. You will also find there useful resources to help you learn about living with the dementia journey. You are also invited to join us on Facebook at Dementia Dialogue. Feel free to make a comment or perhaps to share a bit of your experience with dementia. Thanks again to our sponsor for today's episode, the Centre for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, Thunder Bay, Ontario. Please join us for our next podcast on Dementia Dialogue as we continue our conversation on changing and adapting as part of the dementia journey. My name is David Harvey.